Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Champions of Happy podcast, the podcast where I talk to my friends about what makes them happy, what makes them smile, and what brings them joy. I hope you've had a great week, you're staying safe, and most of all, I hope you're staying happy. This is the 10th episode of the podcast, we made it into double digits. Yay! (laughs) On this podcast episode, I'm talking to three of my friends about their love of Dungeons & Dragons. It's the first time I've recorded with more than one person, it was a bit of a challenge, but we got there in the end. Now, I know what you're thinking, you might be thinking, I don't know what Dungeons & Dragons is, I have no interest in it. Don't worry, this podcast, we cover all the bases, everything you need to know. It's all very self-explanatory. It's a fun podcast with three of my best friends. Uh, Yeah, I hope you enjoy it, and yeah. This episode is a little bit longer, so I'm going to stop babbling on, and we're going to dive right right in. But quickly, if you like the podcast, be sure to give us a nice review and five stars on iTunes. That way, the podcast can continue to grow, and the community of Champions of Happy can go further and further across the world. Anyway, enjoy the podcast. I'll stop babbling. Enjoy. Bye. Hello, uh, hi guys. Um, so hi. there's a few of you on this podcast. Uh, so I'll just quickly go through you all. Um, you're, this is the first time I've had more than one person on the podcast, so this should be an interesting experience. Um, but we've got Alex, we've got Oren, and we've got Lawrence. Um, hi guys. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. How are you all? Oh, pretty good actually. I'm enjoying this whole indoors thing. Good to stay indoors, play games, play D and D all the time. <laughs> amazing you managed to find fine. any players <laughs> so everyone seems to have taken up D lately it's impossible to find anyone to play with i'm free well, I, I, i'm game i want to join uh, the, the issue is normally finding dms but i have actually okay. found a few in the last few days so i i can uh, i can wing oh. to where to do that um, mm. so where, where in the world are you all guys right now feel free to jump in at this point uh, I'm I am in the lovely. In okay, no, that didn't work. Um, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because there are a few of us listeners, because there are a few of us recording on Zoom, there might be a little overlap. So I will direct questions a bit more clearly. So I uh, will start with Alex, just because you're on my top left-hand corner. Uh, where are the, oh, the good old clockwise technique? I'm in Acton, West London, at the oh, moment. We know each other. First floor. I you were away. We are. I'm pretty sure we said this. No, I thought we, you were we've from, had I this conversation. Yeah, I just thought you'd gone away for lockdown. That's yeah, okay. I'm cool. pretty sure I'm only a bus ride or even just a fancy mm. walk away from <gasps> Maybe we can have a socially distanced walk together soon. Uh, <laughs> uh, and Aaron, where are you? Uh, I'm in the, uh, the lovely Outer Clapham area. Uh, it's fantastic. Fancy. Uh, and finally, over to Laurent, where are you? Um, so I'm currently in France. I, I do live in Putney, but uh, yes, right now I'm in France on holiday uh, and 
currently away from the family for this lovely podcast. So hey. Ah, my first international guest. Bonjour. <laughs> my French, that's the limit of my French. <laughs> so I've gathered you guys here today because we're about to go on an adventure of mystical feats and daring challenges. Uh, we're exploring the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Now, um, Alex, we'll start with you. Um, can you just... Uh, what I, I know what Dungeons & Dragons is, I've had experience playing it, but can you give us a very basic sum de- summary of what actually Dungeons & Dragons is? Oh, I'll do my best. Dungeons & Dragons essentially is a storytelling game, a cooperative storytelling game with friends, if I had to sum it up in one sentence. Okay, and so, um, Oren, could you explain a bit further, then how does the actual gameplay work? If I were to sit down as a complete noob, what would I expect? So you tend to have uh, a DM that sort of directs the story but generally you just have a number of players generally like you can have anywhere from one to any number uh, beyond eight it probably gets a bit unmanageable uh, and you, the dm writes the story and plans sort of what's going to happen but it all kind of changes depending on what the players want to do and it's the dm's job to pretty much say yeah you can do that but let's see how lucky you are with the dice first so a, a DM is a dungeon ma- master, is that right? Uh, yes, yeah. a dungeon master or game dungeon master, master, depending on your preference. Nice. Uh, and do any have you any of you been a dungeon master, game master? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. uh, would you prefer? How do you, is it different? Because I imagine being a dungeon master, you've got to prepare and set up a lot of stuff. So, is it easier just to be a player rather than a dungeon master, or do you actually prefer being the master? Um, I would say it's definitely easier to be a player than to be a dungeon master. You could enjoy being a dungeon master more, that's, that's another question, but as a player you prepare your character and then you, you show up and then you play. Well, a dungeon master you have a lot more to do, you need mm. to, well I mean, it depends, people have different styles of DMing, some people can really improv and you, there is always an element of improvisation, you should always be able to react to weird things because your players will always do weird and fantastic things that you will not have anticipated. So there's always an element of improvisation but you are the one setting the scene so you need to have an element of story there that hopefully your players will hook on to or they'll do something else um, and you're also the one providing combats and things like that so you normally want to have a mix of activities for your players to engage with uh, that takes advanced preparation um, so <sighs> it's a bit more work uh, it can be fun because sometimes you want to like oh there's this really cool story I want to see if my players will go into this and if they'll figure out this mystery or whatever uh, so it can be more fun depending on what you you, you really like to do um, but it's it's definitely more work yeah <laughs> Okay, yeah, I, I, I think I've, when I've, I've played maybe three or four times in the past, I've never been Dungeon Master, I, but I've seen the amount of work that goes into being one, and that, that sounds like a lot of time, which I don't have. Uh, <laughs> I don't have time for my own life, let alone a fictional character world. Um, <laughs> so um, I want to uh, so, um, surprise you boys, but I actually, back at university, dis- did a dissertation on fandom, which explored tabletop LARPing and Dungeons and Dragons. So I know a little bit about it. Um, I got a 2 1, didn't get a first. I was actually fuming. Um, <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm over it. I'm totally over it. Like, how many years on now? I'm fine. Um, right. I, so, I got a 2 2, and I, I just goes to show that you can do anything. I mean, you, that's quite successful now, actually. So you win. Well, I think you're building <laughs> me up a little bit there. <laughs> Um, so with um, Dungeons and Dragons, it's very much, uh, I would say, become a, a lot more popular 
recently because of it's been more highlighted in media due to things like Stranger Things. Would you say it's you've seen a rise in popularity because of it? Is it becoming more cool to do? Because normally it's sure. seen as a kind of I- geeky kind of thing where the nerds are playing the game kind of thing. Absolutely. For that exact reason, like part, like things like lockdown aside, part of the reasons it's, it's, it's got a little bit of a renaissance, I like to call it, it's because uh, it was always seen as a bit too, if you excuse the term, basement dwelling nerds yeah. kind of thing that D&D was classically portrayed as. And now it's kind of come into more of a mainstream, which is why it's getting this sunrise and why so many more people are playing it. So every, from my experience, every Dungeons and Dragons game is, it's not even necessarily Dungeons and Dragons. It's, it's just, more, that's just a vague umbrella term for, isn't it? It could be science fiction. It could be vampires. It could be, it could be just something as basic as only a cafe, couldn't it? It, could, it can be anything, right? Um, okay. So I'm, I'm going to bring the conversation back a little bit here. Um, Renaissance, <laughs> you're right, is, is Stranger Things. Uh, is definitely one thing that's factored. Um, so the game of Dungeons and Dragons was invented by a company called Wizards of the Coast. They have different editions that come out with kind of different rules. And so I think one of the other elements that actually has pushed it to become more popular with people such as myself, who don't want to have all the rules all over different numbers, they've actually changed the rules recently. So edition five is much easier to engage with. It's got less numbers, less stats, less things like that to, to learn. Uh, and so it's a little bit more flexible on whatever the DM wants to do. And what, so that I think has attracted more people in because it's easier to get into. I think previous versions, you really had to have a guru to really teach you everything and to know all the rules to you to get into. Um, so I think there's an element of that. Uh, and you're, so now bringing it back to your current question. Uh, <laughs> yes, there are other games of Dungeons and Dragons who are also uh, role-playing games um, and you could invent one. Uh, I've, I've played once with a friend who just was like, invent an ability and we'll roll and we'll just make stuff up and it was fun um and then there's pathfinder and there's uh, other space ones and i honestly don't know them very well so i'm going to leave the floor to other people but yes there's lots of things. Um. <laughs> what guy what got you um so i uh, will start with aaron what, what actually got you into dungeons and dragons um so i wanted to play it for a while and then just uh, a bunch of friends were gonna start uh playing together so i ended it uh, managed to convince them to let me join them at the very last minute, I had a day to write a character. I ended up writing about two pages of backstory for that character because <laughs> I get way too into things. Um, and yeah, I just ended up playing with that. Um, and I just really enjoyed it. And then I think probably within two months of starting playing, I'd started DMing as well. Barely didn't know, like barely even knew the rules then. Still barely re- know the rules right now. There's a lot of frantic Googling of things in the middle of a uh, session. But I completely lost the plot of what the question was, which is generally no, how my cool. sessions go as well. Just like I start <laughs> DMing and then I'm like, what was Improvise. I I guess it is quite an intimidating game to jump into unless you know people who already know it. Like it's not necessarily something you would think if you want like a new hobby, you might say, oh, I might start reading or I might start painting or I might start running That's or something. So you would know, it's not an instant yeah. thing to think of, is it, Dungeon Dragons? Because... I guess it is, while it is becoming more mainstream, it is still quite in itself. In its I think it's, community. It's, just, it's a very social game as well. It's, uh, it, it, it's one of those things that is what, what it is for you. Like everything, every time I've ever played, it's always been what's called homebrew. So it's just people making their own stories and their own worlds and stuff like that. Um, whereas obviously there's also the official stuff, which is like there's a place called Eberron and Ravnica and 
all kinds of different places, uh, Sword Coast, but uh, official locations where you can do official adventures. Um, but everything I've played in, you just kind of make it up uh, as you go along and make up your own world. And it's, it's, a, it's, it's good for creative people who need an outlet. A lot of people use it for therapy, um, hmm. which I think is perfectly fine as well. Um, and sort of one of the things that I did with it was it was the thing that helped me uh, deal with, uh, I was having a lot of gender issues at the time and it, I ended up just making my first character was uh, non-binary and so that was how I sort of discovered my own gender identity and stuff like that as well. So it's like, it is, there are lots of reasons to get into it and it's a lot of things to a lot of people. That's cool. I guess when you, jumping on that, I guess when you started, you didn't necessarily think that was going to be something that would come out of it. No, I was just going to, uh, well, I played a bard who are well known for being, um, <laughs> wanting to have sex with everything, which is not like <laughs> me at all. Um, so I played I the most socially awkward. Yeah, I, just played most, I was playing the most socially awkward bard because I don't know how to flirt. So how am I going to make a bard know how to flirt? Like, it's just not going to work. Like three months in and people were like, you were flirting with me? What? Like, yeah, that's, that's, that's how that worked. How, just like, so we've, I know you all, we'll get back to the original question in a second, but like when you take on a character, like a knight or a bard or a space captain, I, I imagine this is different for everyone and the levels of comfort and levels of drama. How involved do you actually get in uh, to the character? Like, do you put on a voice? Do you put on a costume? Do you like sing songs? Like how, for you, what, what do you do? What do you, how do you get in the zone? Voices definitely help. Like I, the, my first character didn't have a voice because it was basically me, just a, a bit more well-spoken. Um, but like my second character, well, she was a lovely little Southern Belle. And like, it's very much, it's very easy to get into a character when you've got a voice to go along with it. Because there's lots of tropes and stuff that come along with it. And you just, you just kind of roll and go with, go with the flow. Oh, nice. So Laurent, how did you get first get into D&D? Um, well, uh, that's going to be a long story. Uh, I'll try. Yeah, it. tell us, tell uh, us. That's what we're here for. Moved to London, uh, moved in with my partner at the time. Didn't really know many Londoners apart from his friends, so I kind of needed some new friends. And actually, I met you and Alex actually around that same time because Ooh. I joined. So Alex uh, was doing a board game group, um, told me about Gamers Inc. And I went, oh, okay, maybe I'll go to this. And um, and uh, Gamers Inc. was good. I didn't have any problems with it, but I didn't really know a lot of people that I got to really I met people and sort of said hi to them, but didn't actually have really good friends. And then on the group of uh, Games Inc., somebody said, oh, um, I'm going to be starting a D&D group. Anybody interested? And put it off on Facebook. And I was like, me, me, I've never played, but I'm interested. Um, yeah. And uh, it was a really good thing uh, because it's, it, you, you see people every week, every other week, whenever you're playing. And so I didn't really know really these people before. I started playing with them, but or some of, some of them were familiar faces, but that was about it. And so out of it, I got, like my first really good friend, friendships from Games Inc. And that allowed me to afterwards go to the bigger group and the bigger events, knowing a cool group of people. Um, and now I feel like I'm actually part of the community and all that. So it's worked quite well. Um, yeah, and it's, uh, it's a very good way of making friends, I have to say. Um, nice. Do, when you, before you started, were you a bit like unsure how to approach it? Did you have some sort of idea what you were doing? Like... We, 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 no, with them being people you that were relatively new to you, were you pretty comfortable doing it, or was it kind of a slow burner for you? Uh, no, I was. I'm 
uh, so I, I knew generally what the idea was. I had, you know, an idea from Stranger Things and other things. I had an idea what Dungeons and Dragons was going to be about. You know. um, um, I am normally okay jumping into a room of people I don't necessarily know and, and putting myself out there. I've moved around a lot in my life, so I'm okay doing that. Um, so in this instance, it was just, it was good because you jump into a room with a lot of people you don't know and you know you're going to meet them again. So it's good. You get to talk to them more. Uh. <laughs> oh, nice. That's a lovely story. And finally, Alex, how did you get into the world of D&D? Um, I was pestered into it, really. <laughs> uh, um, a, fr- a friend of mine who I've had for a while, he's played Dungeons and Dragons a few times, and uh, he wanted to try DMing. He DMed a couple of what is known as one-shots, which are just campaigns that are over and done with in one evening. And he wanted to try a more regular session. And he kept tugging at me going Alex I think you'd really enjoy it I think you'd get into it it's something that I wanted to do but I always had problems I, I was a little bit scared of commitment which really isn't normally like me but uh, <laughs> I was scared of committing so much time to something and worried about how long it'll take and whatnot but eventually uh, I think it was New Year's Eve 2018 that I uh, was I, I finally said yes to it we started our first session in January and it, it it was with a bunch of people who the DM knew, who of all of them, I'd only met any of them once or twice. I didn't really know them, but uh, they all knew each other. Uh, but it, it was, a, I kind of like made a little bargain with myself that even if I won't do particularly well at it, because I'm not quite so confident in my ability to improvise, whereas some of the other group have done improv classes, others work with each other, others, uh, actually have played many times before i just thought screw it i can come along once i can make an absolute ass of myself but everyone around me is really good so i'm going to have a lovely time with them i mean i don't think i did that badly because they keep inviting me back oh that's always a plus <laughs> is dnd normally quite a silly joyful activity it's usually more fun if you're a bit goofy because of the improv aspects. Like mm-hmm. normally, it, it, I mean, it really depends on the DM and, and the team you're with, etc. Some people are really hard on the numbers and are going to be like, oh, logic, logic, logic. And the, you, you have people called uh, rural lawyers, you know, and th- that exists. Um, in my experience, it tends to be more fun when people can be goofy and it's more like the, the thing that most DMs will reward is what they call the rule of cool. And so you're going to say, I'm going to do this crazy thing where I jump from the balcony and I do this and I do this. And they're like, that sounds amazing. Completely improbable, but amazing. Let me roll for it and we'll see if it happens. You know? And normally, like, a DM will try and reward that uh, sort of kind of improv thinking kind of outside the box. It sounded really fun. Yeah. <laughs> so let's say, for example, then I'm Dungeon Master. Um, and I say to you three, next week we're going to play a game where we're set in space and we're exploring different planets and God knows what you're going to come across. In the week before, what do you actually do to prepare to play the game? Uh, Alex, if you want to let mean, me know what you do. Just as a point, I, I, I just want to say that I love the idea that we're role-playing a role-playing game here. It's <laughs> the inception of us. Yeah, uh, so meta. We're very deep. But, uh, as, very deep. as you as the DM... Yeah, let's say I'm the DM because I don't know what the player would do for it themselves. But um, I've, I've given you the brief. How do you prepare before we get to the game? Well, uh, if it's going to be our first one, I suppose we'd uh, create a character first. Uh, so uh, I actually should have had my, ca- my character sheet to hand. So um, 
with discussions with the DM, uh, we would all create our own characters. And each of the characters, uh, like with any sort of role-playing game, come with like a certain set of skills, which are the main skills are strength, correct me if I'm wrong here, I'm doing this from memory, strength, dexterity, wisdom, charisma. Uniqueness and talent. <laughs> Uniqueness and talent. I'm certain I've missed one now. That's bad. Uh, constitution and Constitution. Thank no one, you. Uh, Points no to one Laurent. needs constitution. <laughs> it's a dumb stat. <laughs> You're clearly not a dick. <laughs> I'm a tank. I'm just a dexterous tank. I just don't get hit. But uh, generally finding creating characters a really, really fun prospect. You can bounce ideas off the DM and maybe like other people taking part in it, depending on what they're doing. Give your character like a little story. Uh, if you uh, follow the player's guide of the latest edition, uh, it, they will help you give like some backstory. It, your character's going to have some kind of something that's driving them forward, a, a kind of character flaw and uh, just general how they see the world around them. And if you have a magical character, you can select a whole bunch of spells. Uh, but uh, my first character was uh, a warrior. So uh, thankfully my, my DM, uh, when I first started playing was, he printed out a bunch of pre-made characters. We did a beginner campaign called The Lost Minds of Vandelva. Uh, which is a great place to start if you're a first-time DM or just a first-time player in general. Uh, uh, please don't get spoilers. I haven't played this one yet. And I'm oh, oh. <laughs> there's a oh, dragon. Me neither. <laughs> I'm sure you could guess there's a mine in it. Um, <laughs> without going, <laughs> but uh, all of the characters that you can get from the starter set that comes with this campaign give you some cookie-cutter characters. So uh, one of the big barriers to entry I found with D&D is the creating of character if you are not that confident. Now that I've played it a couple of times, I can bash out a character like that. But if for the first time I couldn't do it, this campaign came with some preset characters. Uh, mine was, was a warrior who wanted to, his goal was to civilize a certain area uh, and become like the, the king or the mayor or the ruler or whatever. Uh, and his main character flaw was uh, that he, he kind of saw himself as the main hero of the story and he felt like he came from a sort of noble background but nobody ever saw it that way. So uh, I was able to just put on the voice that I have now so I didn't have to change my voice at all. I think that fits in that entirely. <laughs> uh, Aaron, do you, have, do you remember your first character? Uh, do I remember my first character? Hmm. Yeah. Like they were, so they were the non-binary bard. Um, they were, uh, they were, I have a, like me and my friends, we have a very bad habit of always making a very tragic backstory. Um, we are, we are always orphans. Like we never have a good family <laughs> life. We always have a chosen family. And it's just, so it's, always this, it's always the same thing. And I've just like, I've tried to get away from that lately. Um, are you creating the, a D&D character? Or are you creating a character from Final Fantasy? They're all orphans. I mean, funny you say that. the The game that I, the sort of world I'm building, is based on like popular culture. So everything that exists in real world media basically is real in there. So there's just a lot of stuff. Um, but yeah, the the first character was a bard. They were 
tragic backstory. They were a half elf uh, whose mother was the elf, was an elf, and the father was uh, was a human. They were like noble elves, and they weren't very happy that their their daughter was mixing with uh, humans. So she she died in childbirth, and then they just gave the baby away to a library, um, and that was how the bard, uh, how they became a, a bard. Um, so yeah, it's it's not the happiest. Like, they're always very sad right? backstories. Was there not an orphanage around that area? Yeah, why or, a library? Go, Is there an orphanage? No. What about a library? Make it made more sense to then become a bard. Um, <laughs> bards, even though or you think of them as well, bards you think of like as, Bardian. Um, yeah, good, you think of them as uh, songs like singers and dancers and stuff. But really, they're more like they they keep records. Um, so they do that through song sometimes, but it's largely about writing history books. So a library kind of made sense. Okay. And Laurent, same question to you. Do, you. do you remember your first character you made? Um, I do, though I don't normally associate him as my first because it wasn't in D&D 5e, so edition 5 of the current version. Um, uh, he was you called... said edition 5e, it's... Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Um, his name was Mindevor. He was... So, um, like Aaron, my first characters were always very big tragic backstory. Um, when you create a character, you need to give him a or her or they a um, motivation for why they became an adventurer. And classically, you think of big tragic backstories of vengeance, <laughs> and, that, uh, and it also explains how they get magic and all that sort of stuff. Um, I now I don't do that anymore, but uh, well, mm. I do sometimes, but normally I don't. But uh, now I do goofy, and it doesn't necessarily need to be that justified on why they became an adventurer. Uh, my first character, Mindevor, he was a uh, Eladrian elf. Um, it's like the high elf society, like live in like a parallel dimension to our plane of existence in a way. Um, and I said that he. Um, had uh, you know super talented magically and he went to the super school of magic and had a lover that uh you know was trying to become um some kind of summoner and he summoned something that he asked for help but since Mindevor was super super smart he helped him out do the ritual properly and he was like yeah yeah sure i can help you uh ritual is done ritual went really really bad uh super demon um kills the lover in question um the school believes that mindeval is actually the one who did it and is responsible so mindeval is now on the run and is in the human world um as an adventurer just trying to get by because yeah He's now on the run from there. I think I got some of that. So I can see some characters more involved than other characters and some are more developed than others. I think um, when I first did uh, my dissertation and I had to do a D&D, I was just a guy who was a bit psychic and could find vampires. And that was literally <laughs> yeah. his tagline because I had no idea what I was doing surrounded by people who really did know what they were doing. I know we touched a little bit on this before, um, especially with you, Aaron, but how much of yourself do you put into a character? Like, are they just a cooler, more mythical, more tanky version of yourselves? Or do you make, do you make a conscious effort to make them different from who you are? Um, Laurent, let's go with you first for that. Um, so do you remember what I said about my first characters being very tragic? Yeah, my first characters were a lot more like me. And now I am having a lot more fun doing characters that are not like me. Um, so like Mindevor, my first elf, you know, wizard, he was willy and smart. And, and I was like, oh, yeah, he's kind of like me. Anyway, I played him a bit more like me. 
but now I'm doing characters that are not like me precisely because I like trying doing weird things. So I've done like a character who um, he's like the wise soldier who uh, he's a dwarf. He's a soldier. He likes to go and drink all the time and it's all merry and food. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and I did. I mean, that sounds exactly was, like you. What are you uh, talking about? Just <laughs> not exactly, but thanks. Um, I did one who was Brina. She was a um, uh, how do we call them? A, um, a gnome, and and she was like always super happy and dynamic. She was like, and she would go run to things, and then she would just talk nonstop at people, and and people would just what's happening. Um, so yeah, I, now I'm actually veering towards like more goofy characters that are not exactly like me, but precisely because I can't explore just doing a really random thing that will be funny and it's not exactly it's not normal quote unquote uh and and it's, i find it a lot of fun um, anyway. nice alex what about you do you are you are you the mighty knight or is it a very different type of person from yourself it, it definitely started off as the mighty knight and it was it was a very uh serious serious character who he's, he's got a very great view of himself uh i'm in i'm playing uh into my second, third, fourth characters, and they're getting steadily less serious as as they get on with their creation. Uh, and I, I'm I understand it's actually quite common that your first character is always really serious, and your later creations tend to be a lot more silly because you get a lot more confident, you get a lot more into it. I think one of my favourite memes that I've ever seen around D and D involves like your first versus your latest character, where your first character is exactly how I describe this very uh, pompous and really deep character with a, back, t- with a terrible backstory. And my latest character is now just a sentient potato sorcerer who just <laughs> uses mage hand to carry himself from place to place. Sure. That's <laughs> standard, right? Uh, I haven't quite Aaron, got to the potato yet. Uh, and Aaron, I know we touched on you before, but then are your characters similar to yourself now or are they changing or does it just depend on the game so they started out very much like me they were just kind of like they they were just me and then uh, my second character was uh i want to do a voice and the southern bell is like the, the only voice i can really do consistently so that's where maribel came from um and then from then on it's kind of been a series of uh so the one after that was juniper who is uh my main campaign one and she's just like this Cali girl and she's just like a druid who's always like super duper high um because <laughs> uh, she's a she's a tiefling but she kind of tries to suppress um her demonic side with uh her medicine uh which is just just weed um <laughs> but then i've also got like like one for medicinal purposes yeah, it's just it's so good, and she walks around like uh, Mary Kate and Ashley with like her like venti macchiato and just like this cardigan, <laughs> like it's great. Um, but then I've also like well, the thing I'm moving more towards now is uh, characters that are references to like Juniper was kind of a reference to to Mary Kate. Um, then I had uh, a gnome something or other called Steve Fenn uh, who really liked crystals and gems. Um, oh, that sounds familiar. That sounds familiar. Um, and then the one I'm writing uh, at the moment that I will hopefully play soon uh, is a bard called Elias Yuri, uh, which is a combination. Well, started out as a combination of a male version of Elsa and Brendan Yuri, um, and is now just a rabbit boy. Um, so I don't know where that came from. That was that was a leap. 
That that's the be- I suppose that's the beauty of the game, though, is that you can literally make whatever you want. And I guess whatever that's yeah, you a real nice escapism from life. I mean, COVID or not, I guess it's just a fun thing to just get involved in and just play like you were a kid again. Like, when I was a young boy, I'd be running around in open field pretending I had superpowers. So I guess it's, this is just a more... I mean, there is laughing, and that's a completely different topic uh, entirely. Ish. Um, but I guess D&D, when it comes down to it, is just about play, uh, which yeah. I guess everyone really likes to do, really. Um, I guess I, going from quite a positive question now to quite a somber question. Uh, and Alex, you beat me, this, you beat me to this before, <laughs> which I'm a bit annoyed about because I, I really thought about this. I think one. I know what's coming. <laughs> have you ever had one of your characters or a character in a D&D die? And have you, how did you feel about it? Why are you looking at me? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> Uh, yes, I have had a character die. Uh, my first character uh, is sadly no longer with us. Uh, this was my beginner character. He had quite uh, quite a lot of near misses. Uh, there was this, there was one instance in our campaign where our DM was actually doing a uh, his first ever own dungeon that he created, just as a little aside to our campaign, and the. Uh, we were just leaving the dungeon and it just started crumbling. It was like this uh, subterranean island that we'd just gone through a long underground river to get to. We were all coming out and we're all like leaving this place now. Uh, and we're all trying to get back on the boat. I roll a natural one. Uh, and then he gets me to roll it again. I managed to roll it a little bit better. Uh, and I survive. But, um, over time, with this beginner character, uh, I found myself enjoying the character, but I wanted a new character. I didn't think I could bring this character forward. And I think like a really important thing to remember is they don't necessarily, you always have to have the risk of them dying, but you can also retire characters and give them an end, you know, like a, like a good episode of EastEnders. Uh, give them a good send-off. So once we finished the campaign that my cookie-cutter character was basically created for, uh, I talked with my DM and uh, we decided to secretly, between ourselves, get into cahoots to kind of kill off my character. So we had the first episode of our second campaign. The second campaign is The Curse of Strahd, which is all about like a it's all very vampiric uh noir kind of stuff very storytelling uh and in the first episode the main antagonist ambushes us in our camp uh and as my character had done some very questionable decisions in the first campaign uh which may or may not have involved torture uh despite him being lawful good uh the, the big bad kind of like sent, sensed this in the story, going, oh, you have some regrets, and uh, would capture me, get me to do what's known as a saving throw, which is typically used to see if something is really going to screw you over, and for me to fake fail it. Uh, basically roll my dice and just... I mean, it turns out I'm terrible at dice rolling, so I didn't need to fake it at all. I rolled like uh. a four out of 20. Uh, but uh, my character was then carted off by the bad guy. 
and I lost the character, which uh, was a lot more upsetting than I actually anticipated it to be. I, even though I actually considered, like, knew this was happening, I was like quite upset because this was like my own, my my boy, my own little work. Uh, so there was a there was a teeny tiny little bit of uh, of mourning that I had, but um, the uh, two sessions later, create a brand new character. Uh, the characters bump into this this new fellow who's a a dragonborn. Uh, grave cleric uh which fits the world that we're in gives me a brand new lease of life i learned the lessons that i i took the lessons that i learned from the first one which is basically don't torture people uh and, <laughs> and create a life, brand new really. character which i was able to give myself a much longer and more interesting backstory that i could use to bounce off to uh, play the character, and I'm having a lot more fun with that. I love how you remember every single detail though of it, and it hasn't. It's clearly not left you, and you're clearly not over it. It's, it's a, and a, when we're done yeah, recording, we can talk and we can really we can, get into it and go for our feelings about the topic. There's a little it. place in my heart for the warrior Sans Duraf. Oh, a, mi- a minute silence, please. And we're back. Um, cool. So, uh, have, Laurent and Lauren, have you ever had a similar? situation where you've had a loved character leave you? Um, so I, I have had a character die, not as emotionally uh, draining as, as Alexander because um, uh, it was a one-shot session. Um, so my character died. Pretty much everyone died except for like one person who magically saved the day right at the end. I suspect someone uh, rolls the fudge. Normally, mm. so it's important for your character to be able to die. You can't be invincible because you need to really fight for your survival a few times and it, it is rare for a character to die because normally the dm will do some kind of thing to make you survive or maybe you get captured and then your friends have to come and save you and it's it's rare and normally it has to be involved something like alex said like you have to talk to the dm and say would you please want to retire my character um retiring character is not necessarily you know death it could be like uh you've taken a break between two sessions and and then he went to the farm Pretty much, you could do that. You could do that. Um, you know, it, or, or like the team kind of changes for some reason. I've done the Curse of Strahd before, so I'm not going to give you spoilers, Alex. But um, one of my there's a dragon. Got... <laughs> <laughs> it's D and D, of course. There's a dragon. <laughs> my uh, one of my friends who was playing, he um, he was tired of his character because his character was a very good character, but didn't gel with the team very well, uh, mm. and because uh, the team wasn't. It wasn't a good dynamic for his character. Um, and so he kind of slipped a note to the day and saying, eh, let my character die. I don't, they didn't orchestrate his death, but he kind of said, if my character dies, let it happen. And then a few sessions later, he came up with a new character, uh, which was much more fun for him to play. And he did it played till the end of the session. So, yeah. I have something that was much more hurtful for me, but I'll, I'll keep it for a future question. Um, <laughs> okay. Aaron, <laughs> uh, Aaron um, uh, same question. Have you ever had anyone dying you and it's been very sad so i've i've never had a character die i think the you thing with it is 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 it generally it, it is quite hard to die um because when you fall to zero hp uh generally you go into what's called death saving throws where you or when it's your turn again you just roll and if you get above a 10 then you get one save and you have to get three saves to um best of five to, to pop well it's not actually pop up technically by the rules you um you are unconscious for a certain amount of hours, but we tend to just play that you pop up with uh, one HP because 
being unconscious for a number of hours while everyone else is playing the game just isn't very fun. No. Um, yeah. uh, so I, I've, I've, I've been knocked unconscious a lot and I've almost been like outright killed. Like, because if basically you have a certain amount of health, say you had 10 HP left, or your maximum health is 30. Uh, if you get hit by an attack that does 40 damage, you're dead. Like if you get Phoenix killed down. and then all again. Nope, there you are. Well, <laughs> you can go to someone and get revived or you know, there's like stuff that can bring you back. But if you get overkilled like that, you are it's dead. Dead, dead. True dead. Um, if but it you is were generally never... quite hard. Oh, sorry. It's just generally quite hard to die. Yeah. Uh, just just to like uh, reiterate what Lauren says, was it was uh, part of how much you enjoy it and how much you really get into it is the being reminded that you can always be you you aren't infallible you aren't invincible you can always be killed off and as a as a dm to be aware of that that you can kill people but also not arbitrarily like if if someone's poor choices sends them into the more of a more of a dragon then you know Maybe they deserve the death. Choices. Because obviously a big part of playing Dungeons and Dragons is you get to see your friends and you get to interact and you get to see each other in real life. And due to coronavirus, that hasn't been happening so much recently. Um, Gesturing casually towards 2020. Yeah. How different is it to play... Because I know you guys play online, you play on Zoom. How different is it to play in real life with your friends compared to doing as we are now on Zoom? Does it, does it change the game at all or is it kind of still the same? kind of feeling anyone can jump in at this one it's it's a lot easier in person um sure, if i'm yeah. planning is so much easier in person because i would mm -hmm. like hand draw battle maps and stuff and and like i could just do it on the day and just be like right this is what we're doing or make it up as i go along now that we're using online tools to do maps and stuff it's like okay so i've got to spend time actually putting stuff together putting them on there making sure there's tokens and everyone's set up and it's just it's very hard to ad lib situations because you don't have that up and doing combat with any number of char extra characters in people's heads and trying to keep track of where everyone is. is just not the one. It's not the one. D&D &D is at its core a social game above all else. So it is the sort of thing to get people into a room and you can all sit around the table. You've got, uh, if, if you've got the tools, which you don't need, but if you've got the tools, you can have like an entire table full of like little drawn maps and whatnot. So that's obviously like the main core of D&D. &D. I've been playing a lot of D&D &D like over Zoom, over Discord, uh, Google Hangouts, which I, some people might be surprised to hear is still a thing. Uh, and it's different for sure. Absolutely. 100% would always do it in person. But it's... it's not to say that it's not a good time online as well. Uh, there are plenty of tools that, that can help you uh, right through it. Uh, one of my favorite websites is D&D Beyond, uh, which they, they can help you create characters from the ground up. They can create them automatically or, or not. But there are, there are a, a thousand and one different websites. There are also others that can help you as a DM plan scenarios. Uh, we, my main group uses one called Roll20. Uh, and that is a very nice, uh, 
you can actually look onto the screen and you can see the DM moving characters across a map. And that's the best that I've found to replicate the in-person experience. But uh, as long as you've got some friends, uh, some dice and, and your favorite liquor of choice, then <laughs> you are fine. And Laurent, how have you found the uh, online experience compared to the real life experience? Um, I, I definitely prefer the real life experience. As Aaron said, you, you can just draw a map and go with it. Um, when you're playing online, you need to have the image ready that you're going to be playing on. Um, you, okay, I'll bring some positives later. But um, you, uh, you need, so the, 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 the issues are that you, you, you you're now focused on the screen and you're focused on where your token is on the screen and how you're going to move him and, and like counting on the screen. Where, and then you've got all these drawings already there. And that's, in theory, you're like, oh, it's good. There's more stuff there. But then you imagine less. You kind of like, oh, what am I trying to decipher on this drawing rather than in just listening to what the DM's telling you and what's happening. Um, it's kind of like when you read a book. There's a difference between reading the book and seeing a movie. When you read the book, you see, you read Harry Potter, you've pictured Hogwarts how you wanted to picture it, right? Um, and and then, you know, you see the movie and you're like, well, Hogwarts is like this. What the fuck did they do? Um, and there's an element of that. There's an element of you are now moving a character and you're just trying to decipher what's on the map. There's definitely an element of you're all remote. You don't necessarily have the video screen. So some people will play with just voice. Uh, some people will play with the video screen. But either way, you could have people on their phones. It's, it's, it's harder to kind of keep that in any online thing, it's kind of hard to keep that online. Um, is everyone paying attention? Is everyone in the room sort of thing? Um, however, positives. Um, you get to play, which is great. Uh, <laughs> and um, it, it, it does provide things like the spells are all there ready for you to go. The, the mechanics, like, you, like Roll20 has, you know, you can do the dice very easily. You can like share... Um, oh, well, this is my spell, and you can just click, and everybody can now read your spell. And so your DM can now be clear on what the abilities are and stuff like that. Because uh, as a dungeon master, we'll not remember every single ability people have. Like, that's just unrealistic. Um, so it's, there, there are some really neat things that happen on there. Um, it's easier if you want to send secret messages to people, uh, like the DM or other players. You can do that. Um, technically, you can in real play, but uh, yeah. Um, I will say in real play, obviously, you can have the liquor of choice that you share together. You can have your snacks that you're together, and you you know, you, you can see somebody's like laughing in the corner or, or pointing at something. You're not seeing that online. You can see it in person. Um, so, yeah. One of the things I found with uh, playing online is that it just, it takes a lot longer. Mm. Like just, does the combat seems to take a lot longer because, and just conversations between players takes longer because you're not in person. So there's the delay of the voice going to the other person and then coming back. So obviously there's a lot of latency. Um, but last night I had, I had an entire session where there was no combat because I was introducing a new player and then they were meeting the characters and they were just, just like the role play was just so good. It might have been better in person, but that was probably one of the best sort of new, like just, just best role play bits that I've had as a DM so far. There's just nice. differences. So for, with it going in the future, when COVID goes away and we can finally interacts how we normally would when we can hug and kiss again and such um do you reckon there will people will use aspects of online D gaming in real life or do you reckon it will go back to the way it was um laurent do you want to jump on that yeah i'm going to jump on this uh my so my partner plays um he is actually his first character but he's been playing it for two and a half years so he's only done one campaign but he's doing it for a very long time um and uh, he 
and his team they used to meet in person and and do it uh you know play in person all the time um it used to take a long time for them to schedule when they could meet up and you know sometimes it took a couple of months before they could meet or it, they aimed for once a month but sometimes it was every other month uh, and so forth. now they play every week they play every sunday in the evening uh and they do it online um and they've talked about it and they've said well what we are going to do forwards is um we will play in person once a month and we will play the, the other three sessions every week uh um so Every the other three sessions of the month we will play online. Um, nice. I think that's a good setup because you want to have that element in person to kind of meet people and you know make friends with people. But then you don't necessarily need it all the time, and meeting up is easier online. Let's face it, than in person. Mm. Um, and I suppose for you, it's, it's 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 great because while you're in France right now, all your friends. I mean, we can't go outside anyway. But like, if in the future you're still in France, we're in the UK, we could we might meet up. But you could you could tune into Zoom and still play yeah. along. Yesterday I was playing along and I'll be playing along on Thursday too. Um, doesn't matter whether I'm in the UK or in France. Uh, and hmm. so I will be going back to the UK soon. But uh, we were going, oh, when can we play again? And I was like, I can anytime next week. I will be remote. But uh, we all remote anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just envisioning in the future a table of like five people and then a laptop with just a face there. Just zooming just like in. an iPad on a Segway. Yeah, basically. <laughs> just going you, can the table. Yeah. you can give him a wizard's hat. Um, Alex uh, and Aaron, how, how do you feel it's going to change the future of D&D? Big question, I know, but like, I, as best you I'm can. Actually, <laughs> I'm actually going to go out on a limb a little bit and say it's not going to change much at all. Okay. Uh, because um, these resources were already available to, uh, and, and, the majority of people who play D&D are aware of the resources that allowed you to play remotely. They've obviously been used a lot more uh, over this blessed year. Uh, mm. But uh, once it all goes away and people can go back to being in person, they'll actually go back to what was essentially the status quo, like looking online for, for the resources such as easy access spells and doing the online versions when they can't always meet up. I think the idea of doing it in person once a month is actually really great because one of the one of the best things to keep the story going and generally for everyone having the best time is to meet up on a semi-regular basis or at least play on a semi-regular basis. Nice. And Aaron, just to jump on that, do you have any thoughts uh, on that or yes, yeah, so... covered? My DM uh, already uses, uh, so they, they use a, a program called Foundry, which is kind of like uh, Roll20, except you essentially make your laptop or computer or whatever into a server, and it runs the same kind of virtual tabletop um, system on it. Uh, so he already uh, had that and just hooked it up to his TV. Uh, so we had everything on the screen, and he would move our characters around. Uh, we were already using D&D Beyond for our character sheets uh, in the last... I think like before lockdown started, uh, D&D Beyond didn't have any dice rolling in it. The character sheets were all just a bit meh. Now they've got uh, an app that vaguely works. It's still kind of in the beta stage, but it's there. Uh, they've got dice rolling in apps. You just click on the spell and it just does it. Whatever it does, it automatically figures out if it's a crit or not. Um, so like, I think we're going to go back to doing that as soon as we can. Um, so I think it just it's bringing tools into the way that you played before like 
people people might prefer to play online because you it's, it's a lot easier to do without having to travel everywhere i don't think mm. people personally i don't want to get on the tube anytime soon so i've been teaching myself to ride a bike um just so that i could get to dnd when it starts happening again can you um, not ride a bike uh six weeks ago i couldn't know uh oh. now i i rode like 30 kilometers at the weekend just, oh, congratulations yeah so it's been it's like i think yeah the tools people are finding the tools that they didn't know were there before or they've been using the tools that they had in a new way um things will change things will stay the same it's just mm-hmm. depends on the group can you summarize your best favorite do oh, drop my pen can you um, please uh define your best experience moment playing dnd big question i know take a second breathe uh, i think i've got mine so if uh, you don't mind uh, me jumping in first uh with my main dnd group we actually uh just to just to compound the immense nerddom we actually went on a dnd getaway uh, hired, Aww. hired a uh, an Airbnb, <laughs> uh, right out in the middle of nowhere. I'm trying to remember where it was. It was somewhere south southwest of London, uh, right in the middle of like a gigantic sort of green area. There was a house which I think a family used, uh, but it was their second home, so they were Airbnb it out. So we had the entire place to ourselves for the entire weekend, and we played like a couple of our campaign but we also did uh, a couple of one shots uh that were hosted by the dm's part one of which was was hosted by the dm's partner and he helped prepare each of our characters which were all at level 10. uh the highest uh, a level can go is level 20. so level 10 is a really accomplished uh person of your class uh, i went with a wizard other people went with other classes and it started off all well and good, but then we were all plonked in a gigantic battlefield and it turned out that he had organized a battle royale for all of us. <gasps> like Hunger Games style. Proper Hunger Games. And he, create, he had like a gigantic map that he had created all with its own little like sort of houses and doors. Uh, and simply uh, the, the people who had organized us all together just wanted to see us all fight. And fight we did. I ended up getting <laughs> accosted by some skeletons very early on. Uh, I was a bit blessed by taking a few defensive spells uh, and the ability to cast over longer ranges than normal. So I ended up becoming a bit of a sniper. Uh, and like with any kind of battle royale that you may be familiar with, you have the zone of death that's slowly creeping in on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I started off incredible after my initial trip up started off and went on to go on incredibly strong i think i killed off two people uh and uh i was the last person standing until uh a dragon until the dragon (laughs) until one one character actually managed to i know we talked about death saving throws earlier Guess who survived his death saving throws? Oh, Gets up. His partner. Uh, uh, no, no, it was someone else playing. It's, it's actually the guy who plays the rogue in our campaign, a guy called Dan. Whereas I say that I'm terrible at dice rolling, he is a machine. I don't know where <laughs> he gets the luck from, but he rolls 20s all the time. Uh, and he, the dice were on his side. Uh, I came, he managed to 
backstabbed me from behind and uh, I ended up in, I, I had defeat from the jaws of victory uh, as I was killed into a second place. Uh, but this session went on for about, it went on for about four or five hours of all of us throwing spells at each other, trying to outthink each other. And this was after about a year of us playing D&D together. So we all knew how we all played. And uh, we were very like respectful to not like, be too cheeky with it, but uh, trying to like to get the rules in our favor in every which way. We were all trying our very best to try to turn the tide of battle in our favor. And it, it stays with me as one of my favorite D&D experiences. Were there any in real life disagreements, fallings out, sour feelings afterwards after killing people in the battle? No, no, <laughs> no. I can't believe you threw a spear at my face. I, I, did, I did make a big thing about like uh, my character turning around and realizing the character that he killed was suddenly back on his feet. And I was, I, personally, I was, I was mortified because I thought I'd locked up the win. And I am quite competitive and I was quite happy about that, but then channeled all of that anger and angst into my character, essentially going, no, I thought I would have done it if it wasn't for you meddling half-elf. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm fine yeah, you're about totally it. cool about it. Yeah, you're fine. <laughs> it's cool. Um, Laurent, do you have a favourite D&D moment? Um... I, I'm going to cheat. I have two. So one of them is have something that's happening in D&D and one something that's happened that the DM did that was really awesome. Which one do you want or do you want both? Uh, give me the shorter version of both. Okay. Um, what happened in D&D? Uh, we were playing an evil campaign. Um, so we were all evil characters. We were escaping prison. And we all got inspiration for this week because it was quite a fun thing. I was a uh, sorcerer that controlled fire. And what happened was we were crossing this bridge. Uh, so we were in the castle. We were like escaping prison from this castle. Crossing the bridge. It's nighttime. Me as a sorcerer, I was turning off all the lights that were piling onto the bridge one by light, turning off all the lights. And then at the same time, the rest of the party was actually charging. And so we had the troll that was ridden by a halfling uh, charging into the guards at the end of the, of the bridge. And then you also had an arrow, another guy with an arrow to, to, uh, uh, killing one of the guards. Um, so basically you had these poor two guards who had the lights turning off one after the other. And then they heard, Towards them, one of them dies from an arrow, and then the other one gets troll smashed into his face. Um, so that was a pretty good moment in DD. We, we all got inspiration for that. Um, another thing that was absolutely epic that our DM did. Um, so he, the DM had done the entire, this is the end of the campaign. He had done this entire campaign to try and sow mistrust between the team members and try and convince some of the team members to go to his side, basically. And so we were invited for dinner at the Baddies Palace. We arrived for dinner and we knew we were going to the baddies palace at the, when we came on day, we knew we were coming to the baddies palace for the actual game. But when we arrived, he had actually made dinner for us in person. And so we basically played our people, our characters without the sheets. We were playing our characters and we were sitting at his dinner table. He had, you know, his partner was actually serving us food. Wait, so uh, in one real the... life, they, there, was a, there was an actual meal as well? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, in real life, good. we had food served for us. Oh, I love food. Um, and he had like lit candles and everything and turned all the lights, lit candles. 
candles. He was at the end of the table. We were having food served for us. Like some of us that were not so important had like wooden bowls. And one of them he was trying to woo quite well. He had like silver cutlery and a really nice plate and a really nice glass. Like, he was trying to woo all of us. And one by one, we were all taken out of the room with the DM. And so TM was playing the baddie, basically. So and the mystery he made us... Blink Murder meets D&D meets laughing. Yeah, it, it, it was going. really cool because all of us were taken out of the room and he made us all an offer. And we, like, we don't know whose was, what offer was made for who and who accepted who refused. Uh, but each of us was made an offer. And I, I knew my character wasn't going to take the offer. I knew. But he made it. And I remember sitting on that couch when he was making the offer to me one by one. And I was loathing him. I was like, I hate you. You're so evil. Oh my God. And my feelings are really hurt. I was like, you're so mean. And I'm like, no, I refuse. And then I walk out and, and then I had a puppy and my puppy died when they walked out. He, he like killed my puppy as, as a judge of his power. And I walked Just out and he was like, the puppy wasn't real. The puppy was it was game. not a real puppy. It was <laughs> an in-game right, cool. puppy. He was Making like, sure. as you walk out, you hear your puppy go, Aah! And he's no longer moving. And I was like, you're so evil. And I, I really felt it. And I went back into the room. And now I'm like, he's calling for you next. And I was so unhappy. <laughs> that was really, really cool. Uh, that's really that's not the kind of event I would pay for. That's, that's like an Edinburgh Fringe kind of experience I want to pay to go to attend. That sounds amazing. Um, so, Aaron, Aaron, Aaron pardon. Um, what, what's one of your favorite D&D moments? Was it as dramatic as that? I, I don't think I really on, have any, that. like, I don't, like, favorites on, uh, that's something I struggle with, but, like, when uh, lockdown started, uh, my DM didn't want to do things lost long distance with the story that we normally do, so I had uh, a world prepared uh, while I was building a world and still am, um, so we've been doing a rotating DM seat with it, um, so we each do, like, a couple of weeks where we play the DM and we do our own little stories and level up at the end and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, so one of the sessions, uh, one of the stories, uh, involved my character and it was a lot of her backstory and that was brought into it a lot. And I quite enjoyed that. Um, then after that, I did my time in the DMC, uh, where I was just like, you know what, I'm running with this. Uh, the characters ended up meeting one of the gods of the world who was essentially Myrtle Snow from an American Horror Story. Um, <laughs> Basically, the entire world is based on the real world and like pop culture and stuff. Um, and they did that. And then the final, the big bad of that was I had essentially remade uh, the boss fight against Boogie Boogie from Kingdom Hearts. Uh, and so they thought, yeah, so that was amazing trying to figure that out. And then the DM that's taken over now, uh, we're on like the second session of this bit. Um, we were in town and then we've been hired by these people to escort them. Uh, to uh, a wedding, well, to see their their professor uh, in a town or a city not too far away, a couple days ride away, and they introduced themselves to us as uh, Brad Majors and Janet Vice. Oh, where have I heard those names before? Yeah, <laughs> it's Rocky Horror. If you weren't, oh, okay, sorry, I, I was yeah. drawing a blank. Oh, wow. like, okay, yeah. uh, and then we go off to we get accosted by some monsters, end up at the the castle, and uh, we did basically the time warpers combat where we all had to fight <laughs> as dance moves, and it was just honestly that was just epic. Um, so it funny just shows enough, all these different conversation shows that D and D isn't just dungeons and dragons. It literally can be whatever you want which is fantastic and i think that a lot of people don't 
necessarily understand that. So hopefully, yeah. if you're listening to Champions of Happy, which I'm sure you are, why not try a D&D game? Uh, did you guys ever watch the 80s cartoon Dungeons and Dragons? Nope. I watched, I, yes, yes. I think Gosh, I've seen Aaron, it. you're probably the youngest of us. Giving away my you've age seen it. I mean, I've seen a lot of things. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've seen like an episode or two. It was definitely on, I think it was on Fox Kids when yeah, I was, was a kid. Uh, so I, I, I've definitely seen it. It, it would have been reruns by that point, like mm. in mid-90s. I mean, we were all 90s kids. It was an 80s TV show. Basically, the premise was the story of Dungeons & Dragons. Some kids go on a theme park ride. It teleports them into a Dungeons & Dragons world, and they all get different roles and different abilities and different skills. The saddest thing I found out about it, though, was the series didn't come... They cancelled it before the kids got back to their own world. So in the TV world, they're still stuck there, which is... Heartbreaking, which means their story continues and you can pick it up in your own D&D campaign. But I also think, I, I, Netflix, if you're listening, and I'm sure you are, <laughs> I want the people who made the new Shiba to pick that up as their next TV show. I think that would be really good TV, in my own opinion, but I'm not a producer. I don't make my own podcast or anything. What do I know? <laughs> um, so, guys, thank you very much for being on this podcast. Um, this is a, the first time I've had more than one person on, so thank you for your patience and <laughs> going along with my questions and whatnot. Also, um, you'll be pleased to know, this is the 10th episode of the Champions of Happy. So, thank you double for digits. being on Double Digits. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> um, that was, that so, was the most... Low Underwhelming <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm playing with... Okay, fine, your character is your two leaders, and I've just told you something really exciting. What do you do? I mean, I would be Quinn for Bray, so it would be... Or Santana, I would just be like... It would not be what you would you want. You had to make it more complicated than it was, didn't you? Uh, okay, we'll, we'll call it an end. Um, but um, thank you again, guys, for joining me on this um, journey of a podcast. Um, Very welcome. Hopefully, maybe in the future, we can do a mini episode one shot where we do an episode of Dungeons and Dragons. I don't know how that would work. I'll leave it to you Ooh. for experienced Dungeon there's, Master people. <laughs> and I'll just try and do my best to keep game. up. There is one little uh, one shot which I discovered some time ago. Uh, it's, uh, it's a one shot based around Carly Rae Jepsen. Yes, I was going to mention you, that. It's, oh, I, I want to play problems. that so bad. Oh, it sounds amazing. It's you're, a you're heist trying, based on Carly Rae Jepsen. Yeah, you're trying great. to find all her unreleased music. Oh, <laughs> done. Gaze and brunch. Kylie Rae Jepsen. Perfect. Yeah, done. All right, fine. We'll, uh, we'll eventually in the near future, we'll arrange that. Um, thank you again for being on the podcast. Um, have safe quarantining times, um, and hopefully we can all see each other again in a pub or a gaming situation very, very soon. Um, thank you very much. Bye. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. 
Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. So you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.